Jesus, we thank you so much. God, we thank you for for your unfailing love. God, that we come in this place sometimes and we put on this facade like Benaiah was talking about. How can your love not make us dance? I want to lift our hands and sing. Because we have your freedom, we have your love, we have your grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your unchanging love, your unconditional love that you went to the cross to die for us. We thank you. In the precious name we pray, amen. Y'all can have a seat. How y'all doing? Everybody good? Good, good. Um, man, it's good to be here. It's good, good, good to be here. Um, if y'all don't know me, my name's Caleb Kimbrough. Um, I used to go to church here, <laughs> and um, miss you all like crazy, and that's the truth. Uh, um, it's just such a, man, just coming into this place, just a good feeling, you know, you can just tell the, the presence of God is in this place, you know, and it's such a family atmosphere, so welcoming, so loving, goodness. I love you guys. Um, but yeah, I, I used to go to church here. I was on part of the, the launch team. And um, we, me and my wife, Casey, um, we helped. We were part of like the original team that met in Kyle's living room and helped do some work in here. And you guys don't know what this, some of you guys don't know what this place used to look like. Um, but it was awful. <laughs> um, but no, God's done an amazing thing um, through the people of this church, through your pastor, um, Kyle, and just the transformation that's happened, um, not just physically, but spiritually in this place, and it's been such a good thing. Um, but Casey and I were called to a church in Hotlanta. I say Hotlanta to try to sound cool, but it's really Snellville. <laughs> no, it's a cool place. Very rural. Rural? rural is that how you say it? Um, but lots, lots of woods, lots of country, so I felt it was fitting to grow a beard and um, wear a plaid shirt every day <laughs> so I could fit in with everybody. <laughs> um, no, but um, we, got, we were called up there and um, kind of went, um, you know, excited, anxious, and scared um, to go up there. And um, just, just getting up there, God's done such an amazing thing um, and, and Casey and I's heart, um, we, we learned so much while we were here um, in our time here that, you know, I think God was just doing a work, um, learning about ministry and like true relationships through this church and um, learning a lot about leadership from, from Kyle and Taryn. Um, but it's been such an exciting time for us. Um, dealing with students is a completely different breed, um, to say the least. Um, they don't like to talk to you like adults do sometimes, so you just kind of make a comment and get blank stares and no comment back, so it's, 
I went up there, I'll be, I'll be honest and I'll be transparent, I went up there arrogant as I'll get out thinking, man, I got this, you know, students is going to be fun, it's going to be great, and um, learned another lesson very quickly. Um, but it has been good, it has been great, God has brought a lot of um, things out in my life, like a lot of my insecurities, he's brought out a lot of my sin um, to be able to deal with, um, and Casey has just been an amazing partner and uplifting and just transformation, transformation happening in our lives left and right. And um, just a testimony to following in God's will. Um, if he asks you to do something, do it and hold on tight because he's going to take you for a ride that you never, you'll never experience or that you'll never experience anywhere else. Um, that's a sermonette, if you will. Um, that's not what we're going to talk about following God's will, although it would be good. I guess we could talk about that. Um, but yeah, that's a sermonette. Um, for you, but it's good. It's good. But Kyle called me a few weeks ago and was like, hey man, you want to come down here and preach? And I was like, heck yeah. Heck yeah, I do. Um, so, so I came down and I was like, anything in particular that you want me to talk about? He's like, no, you know, just talk. And I said, that's dangerous. And, no, I'm just kidding. Um, he, he was just talking about, you know, it's New Year's, anything around that. And so we're going to talk about setting ourselves up for um, a New Year's that's worth it. Um, so I think it should be good. I think it should be good. We'll see what, the, what God has to, has to say. Um, but I want you guys to know that, that Kyle and I are still, we communicate probably on a weekly basis through email or talking on the phone. We just have the greatest relationship, and I want you to know that, that your pastor um, is probably one of the best leaders that I've ever worked with before, and you guys are so blessed, you don't even know, um, to be a part of his vision and his calling um, and I know how much he loves you guys because he tells me and he prays for you guys often. So I just want you to know that and be encouraged that you guys have an awesome leader um, of this church. So you all agree? Yeah, 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 yeah. You wouldn't say otherwise because Terrence here, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, so um, today we're going to talk about what's it, um, what's it worth. I thought it would be kind of fitting to, to start out the new year. January, you know, we're kind of into January. How many people have already failed on all of their New Year's resolutions? <laughs> I learned a long time ago not even to set them because it's like a day or two and they're already done. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I have goals and ambitions. Don't judge me. I won't judge you. Um, but, um, but yeah, so how are we doing on our, on our New Year's resolutions? Pretty good? So great? Oh, good. It's good to hear. We got one person, Lauren. She's excited. Um, now, um, but yeah, so I was thinking about like um, the New Year time. You know, what what can we make it worth? What's it worth? Um, and I found a passage of scripture that God kind of wrecked my heart with, and I want to kind of tear it to pieces a little bit. Um, I really struggled with with this message because, you know, as a as a communicator or somebody that that preaches or whatever this is that we do up here, um, you know, you always want to have, like, this dramatic, like, climactic conclusion, like, bring out these points that are just, like, oh, life-changing, and, you know, and, um, and so sometimes you can get caught in a trap of kind of fabricating or stretching what God is trying to say, and um, I've kind of been, I've walked the line of that at times, and God's really, um, on this message in particular, he said, I'd, I've said enough, you don't have to add to it, um, you know, I'd, my word is sufficient, and so um, just kind of 
try to stay true to the word. Um, God's got some things that he's, that, that he's shown to me through this, but um, I want to stay true to the word as much as possible. Um, so yeah, you guys ready to rock and roll? Yeah? Yeah, we'll see. Benaiah this morning, whenever we were doing our group prayer for the serve team, he's like, Caleb's going to melt faces with his sermon. So. I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> Um, before we get started, let me, let me pray for us real quick. Uh, Jesus, I thank you so much um, for every person that's in this room. Uh, just looking out, seeing so many familiar faces with the people that have made such an impact on, on mine and Casey's life. Um, just so grateful for each and every one of them. Um, I pray for our time together today. Um, I pray, Jesus, that you hide me behind your word Jesus, I don't, I don't want to be seen, but I just want to reflect you in every single way. Um, Jesus, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I want you to put words in my mouth. Um, I'm just a tool to be used here. Um, and I pray that I stay true today. Um, I pray that, um, that your word brings, brings to light um, the dark, dark areas um, of our heart that we can identify with and that we can, um, we can wrap our arms around and, and change um, for the sake of your cross, Jesus. We love you and we thank you so much. In your holy precious name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. I went to a Baptist church, if you didn't know, and they like to say amen a lot. So if I say it, you got to say amen back, all right? Deal? Amen? amen. All right. God is good? Oh, you guys know it. Yes. That's good. Um, sorry. I might chase some ch- tangents. But anyways... Back to the sermon. We, um, if I know something about you, um, I know something about myself, and I think we all do this from time to time. Um, we place um, a certain amount of worth, um, of worth on our lives, um, right? Or we, we place a certain amount of worth on, on other people's lives. Um, I think we've all been there before. Um, either we think we say our lot, we're worth a lot. Um, we can either say we're worth maybe a little, or sometimes we can even say that our lives are worth nothing at all. Um, and I think that, that we all kind of gauge our lives um, with a certain amount of worth. You know, sometimes you think I'm worthless. You can think I'm worth a lot. Um, and I think that there are different kinds of um, things that help us measure um, what our life is worth. Um, you know, we, we look at a guy that's got like a lot of money, and what do we say? Oh man, that guy must be worth a lot, right? Um, or a lady that's high up on the corporate ladder, like she's, she's worth a lot. She's so valuable, you know, to that company. She's so valuable, she's so important. Um, this, this past Christmas season, um, I heard about more, more suicides um, than I've ever heard in one year in my life. I, maybe it's because I'm, I'm at a church and there's a lot of people. Um, you know, there's a lot, there's a, it's a pretty decent-sized church, so there's a lot more people. I had to go to, like, a funeral for, for somebody who committed suicide because you know, sometimes we think our life is worth less. Um, and so we, we want to end it all, you know? Some people feel that way, that their life is worthless. But, but no matter who you are, you kind of, you, you tend to think of your life as worth a certain amount. Right? You guys tracking me with, with me on that? Like, worth. And, and, and I want to look at Scripture and kind of see how we should biblically um, measure our life's worth. Um, 
say, say we can live a life that's worth living um, according to what Scripture has to say. And um, maybe we can, we can, together, we can kind of change directions or change our mindsets and our attitudes on, you know, what is this, what, are, what our life is worth according to um, what the Bible says. How many of us have said that was so worth it? A show of hands. You know, you're, you're, eating, you're eating at a, at a restaurant and you've got, um, you know, a huge meal and then you're like, oh, I'm so stuffed. I could never eat anything else. And the server comes over and he's like, how about some dessert? You're like, all right. You eat it and it's so good. And you're like, oh, that was so worth it. Right? We've been there. Don't lie. We've been there. We can be honest in this place, right? Um, but we've said something like this is something that's so worth it. It was so worth it. Sometimes we can do something um, wrong and kind of justify it and think that was worth it. You know, it, like, like there's lots of things. We've all, we've all been there. We've said like that was so worth it. Um, but when we get to the end of our lives, like when we get there, and I don't want this to be like a womp womp sermon, um, but when we get to the, the end of our lives or to the end of this year, um, you know, we want to look back and say, that was worth it, you know? I'd be like, man, that was so worth it. I used to work at, um, I used to work in the banking industry for like five years, and I had an opportunity to work um, at, at um, it was a senior citizen's home, and these people, um, it was like a little office that was part of the bank, the branch, and these people would, um, elderly folk that needed assistant li- assisted living would come into my office, and I would do their banking for them. And, um, they had, you know, tons and tons and tons of money sometimes in their, in their accounts, but they've got, like, no family, and they don't talk to their family or anything like that, and just uh, sometimes would be like, you know, what, how do you value your life, you know? Like, oh, you know, I, I never, like, specifically a- asked that question, but you're, at the end of your life, you're sitting there, you've got, you built up all this retirement, and you're like, oh, now I'm in this nursing home, I've got somebody to take care of me. I can't even take care of myself. Like when I when I get to that point, I want to be able to look back and say, "What was it? You know, what was it? What was it all worth?" Um, you guys, you guys follow that, and you guys tracking with that. Um, so, if you could turn with me um, into Acts chapter twenty, if you'll have your Bibles or your Bible apps, this is a it's a high tech church. I'm not I'm not privileged with a high tech church anymore. Um, but I'm just joking. Acts twenty eighteen through 24, if you all want to turn there with me. And, um, basically what's happened in this, this passage of Scripture, um, you guys know the story about Paul. You may or may not know um, about him, but basically this guy was, um, he was one of the Pharisees. He was, he was a Jew, and, he, um, and he, his job, like he, he was seeking God and he was following God so much, and, and his job was to persecute Christians. Um, basically, like he made it his goal to persecute um, the way, which was what is now Christianity, like the people that followed Jesus were considered the way. Um, and so, so Paul, his whole job was to like, like go persecute them, and, and there are famous stories about him holding the cloak of Stephen, which was a disciple of Jesus, while he was being stoned, and he sent children and women that were followers of the way to... Um, to prison um, for following their beliefs, and, and ho- he wholeheartedly thought that he was, you know, doing God's plan. And then he was, one day he was on the road to, to Damascus, and um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with this story, but God, basically, Jesus showed up in a bright light, blinded him, he fell off his horse, 
And um, he was like, hey, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And, um, and Paul was like, who are you, Lord? He says, who are, who are you, Lord? And he sent Paul um, to Damascus to a guy named Ananias. Um, said, go to Ananias' house and he'll tell you what you need to do. You'll tell, you, you know, everything like that. And so um, basically Ananias tells him what God wants him to do. And he says, um, you are to go and you're sp- spread the good news of what you've heard about. Um, and so basically Paul goes from there, never looks back, and he starts spreading the good news about, about who Jesus is from there. And then um, he starts doing these missionary journeys all throughout, like the area that he was, that he was in. He was doing all these missionary journeys. And um, he was on his way over to... Um, I got some blank stares. I don't want to bore you. Um, but, sorry. I'll say a joke from time to time to grab your attention. Um, but, um, yeah, so he's traveling. So he's going to, um, to Jerusalem for the day of... Sorry. Um, he's going to Jerusalem for the, for the day of Pentecost. Um, and so... He writes a letter to the leaders of the church of, of Ephesus, and he wants them to come and meet him before he gets to Jerusalem. And so um, this is where we pick up our, this is where we pick up our story. So um, all that to say, um, that's the story of Paul, and that's what leads us up to now. Basically, he was a bad guy. Jesus, you know, he had an encounter with Jesus, turned his life around, started going in the opposite direction, the right direction which he should go. Summarize. I guess I guess I could have said that from the beginning, but here we are. Okay, um, Acts chapter twenty eighteen. We're going to go through twenty four. Um, when they arrived, the leaders from the church of Ephesus. When they arrived, he declared, "You know that from day one I set foot in the province of Asia until now. I have done the Lord's work humbly with many tears." We'll hang out there. We'll hang out there for a second. And I love, I love this imagery right here. I was kind of studying and looking into um, what, this, what this is kind of saying. There's nothing like terribly, terribly deep. Um, but I love that it says from day one. It says from day one, he's done the work of the Lord. Um, humbly and with many tears. Um, there's, there's two different um, kind of emotions going on here. Um, humility was one. And I believe that, that, that Paul was... Was, was humble because he knew where he came from, right? He knew, he knew where he came from. And so he knew that, like, without God, like, he wouldn't be the man that he is, and so he was humble about it. Um, I think this is a good attitude for all Christians to have um, because without Jesus and his transformation, we wouldn't be the person that we are. Um, and so it says humbly and with many tears. Um, I, was, I was reading, and he said with many tears because because Paul was brokenhearted, um, that there were people that wouldn't believe um, in Jesus. Like, he was so upset that people wouldn't believe, that they wouldn't follow Jesus, that he was in tears about it. Um, that's love, right? Um, like, if you're the point where, where you're at tears because people aren't following Jesus, I think that's a good, a good posture to be in, right? Um, so he says, I've done one's work humbly and with many tears. I've endured the trials that come from the plots of the Jews. He says, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. Um, I never shrank back from telling you. I'm not hesitated to preach. We have two different translations going on. Um, yeah, so I never hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, um, to you but have taught you publicly and from house to house. Um, mine says that I never shrank back. My translation says I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear. Um, Paul was bold. Um, 
he was bold. He never hesitated. He never, he, he never took the attitude of like, oh, man, sh- should, I tell, should I tell somebody? I don't know. You know, I shouldn't. But he was bold. Um, but you're like, oh, but he was humble. You can be humble. Humble? You can be humble and you can be bold about what you believe in at the same time. Um, you don't necessarily have to um, be a timid Christian, scared of what you're going to say. Um, you can say humbly with tears, with love. Um, but you can say it boldly without condemnation towards somebody else. But I love how it says that I never shrank back, my translation, I, ne- I never shrank back either publicly or in your homes, saying that he was the same person inside that he was on the outside. Um, Paul, Paul was consistent, basically saying that I've been consistent. Like, I've been with you in your house. I've been here. We've been sharing meals. Um, but I'm the same person whenever I walk outside these doors. Right? That's good, right? So I thought, it's good stuff. It's in the Bible. You should read it. Um, I never shrank back. said, I've had one message for the Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. Um, another part of the first part of that verse is, I never shrank back from telling, telling you what you needed to hear. Um, people might not want to hear what we have to say or what God has to say to them through us. But that doesn't change the fact that they need to hear it. We'll unpack that a little bit later, a little bit deeper. Um, But he he was humble. He was sad that people didn't believe in Jesus. He he never shrank back. He was bold. And he told people what they needed to hear, not what what they wanted to hear. Um, Our... Our position as Christians sometimes isn't the most popular, and I say um, sometimes with a little bit of sarcasm underneath it. Um, it's, not the most, it's not the most popular opinion, um, but didn't you need to hear it? Didn't you need to hear it when you heard it? Yeah, I needed to hear it, that's for sure. I need to hear it every day. Um, but yeah, so we'll keep going. Um, I have had one message to um, Jews and Greeks like the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God. He said one message. One message. His message doesn't change. Remember his consistency inside and outside. He's being consistent. And what he's saying, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Without repentance, there can be no forgiveness. You guys follow that? Um, say you're in a fight with somebody, if they never say sorry for what they've done, how can you forgive them? Um, so that he leads with repentance because we have to, we have to accept the fact that we've sinned, that we've fallen short. Um, so we, repentance has to be the first step to be able to take because we have to admit that there are things wrong, that there is sin in our lives. We have to repent, and then we turn a different direction. I love that. It says turn to God. See, we're heading one way. We're heading in one direction. Um, we repent, and then we turn to God. It's a physical, it's a physical turn, a different direction. Not necessarily just physical. I guess it's kind of hypothetical. But, um, but spiritually, we're turning our lives around to a different direction. Um, we're turning it towards God, not gods of this world, but but our God that we believe in, that we love, that loves us so much. Um, 
Okay, so I've had one message has been consistent. Greeks and Jews alike said it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you believe in, you need to hear this message. Um, you need to turn and have faith in our Lord Jesus. It says, and now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. What? So now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what, what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But you're going anyways? What? I mean, can you, can you catch that? Like, he's going boldly, humbly, with many tears, with love, um, although he knows what lies ahead. He knows what's coming in his, like, in his path. We don't know a lot of times, like, the, he says, I'm bound by the Holy Spirit because when Jesus left, um, I'll, I'll put this in there, when Jesus left, he said, I'm sending you a counselor, somebody to lead you and guide you um, throughout your way. So he depends on the Holy Spirit to lead him in the direction that he needs to go. And the Holy Spirit is leading him into jail and suffering. Yeah, I mean, that's something to, to get excited about, Right? Um, so so the whole, I'm bound by the Holy Spirit to go, um, but all I know is that jail and suffering will lie ahead. And then this is kind of where I got the what's it worth, verse 24, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I'll read it one more time. Um, maybe it didn't connect. Um, for some of us. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. My life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work that God has assigned me. And that's where I wanted to hang out for a little bit today. Um, how do you measure your life's worth? This is how Paul is measuring his life's worth, unless he's using it to finish the work that God has assigned him. Like that's, like that's what he puts all of his eggs in. You guys understand that? Like this is, what his, this is how he measures what his life is worth. Not, not by finances, not by career, not by family, not by morals, not by being a good guy, not for cutting my lawn every week, which I'm not good at, so I wouldn't be in a good place. But he measures his life based on what? Doing the work that God has assigned him. See, Paul has it so much, Paul has it so much harder than we do. Um, I think because he knows what lies ahead and he knows that his, his jail and suffering are, are, are going to be bad. There's nothing encouraging about jail and suffering, right? That's what he knows lies ahead. But he says, I'm going to go anyways because my life is worth nothing to me. It's worth nothing to me unless I'm using my life to finish the work that God has assigned me. Man, that's so good. That is so good. Um, we, 
like, I'm, I'm probably the most unconfrontational person that you'll ever that you'll ever meet. Like, I'm terrified of getting in confrontations with people. Um, might be one of the reasons why I don't watch too much sports. <laughs> it's so funny being a guy. Like, I, I I like sports. I used to play them pretty much all of them in high school. Um, but I don't like to watch them. I'd rather be out playing them. Um, but like, guys just assume just by default that I'm a guy. Like, oh, did you watch the game? Yeah, I watched the game. I caught maybe a clip on Yahoo or something, but I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, I'm unconfrontational. That's, um, that's what it was about. Um, sorry. So, yeah, um, I'm probably the most unconfrontational person that there is. Um, and, like, it terrifies me to get in some kind of conflict. So this, this, like, scripture has wrecked my heart and wrecked my life because I would rather not get into an argument with somebody or I would, ra- I would rather not offend somebody because I'm scared of confrontation or I'm, I'm afraid that I might offend somebody. Man, I'm, like the, I'm, I'm guilty of that. And so like this past week, I've just been like, oh God, you know, just use me. Give me the boldness that, that Paul has. He knows that jail and suffering lie ahead of him. But I'm scared to open my mouth because somebody might not like me. Like that. My wife, what is my life worth then? If I get to the end, of the end of my life and I look back and I was like, man, I was afraid to tell somebody what they need to hear. I was grateful for it. I was grateful for hearing that Jesus loved me and died for me. And it says, I love how it says in this translation, it says that um, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful, wonderful grace of God, it's good news. This is not bad news that we as believers, that we as followers are carrying. Like it's not, it's not discouraging. Like, hey, man, I'm sorry. This, this guy died for you a long time ago. He's going to help you through a lot of your struggles. Um, there's hope for you. <laughs> like, it's good news. Like, God's grace is wonderful, Paul says. Like, what are we afraid of? What, what is this life worth to us if we get to the end of our life? We say... I had a good career. I retired young. You know, I had things, I had a good wife, you know. I had kids, brought them up good. Like, we all, we all have different spheres of influence. Like, and, I, and God has given us all a calling um, on our lives. And, and Paul says, the work that, assi- that was assigned to me um, and, and I believe that, that the tag on the end of it, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God, I don't think that's just for Paul. I think it's for every believer. That that is, I mean, we all have gifts. We have, all have different spiritual gifts that God can use us through. But we all have one thing in common, to tell other people about the way that God has changed and wrecked our lives. Like, we all have that in common. That's, that's, our, that's a responsibility that we can all have in common. And, like, that's what's so good about the church is because we can go out and we can, you, you guys are going to start a series on go, and I don't want to stomp on that ground. Um, y'all are starting that next, next week, but, but we're all called to go out and tell others about Jesus. And then that's what's so good about the church because we all, can all come into these walls and we can all be like, hey, man, I had a rough week. I had a rough, you know, things weren't going good. I tried to share my, my faith with somebody. They didn't like it. And then you have another person that's alongside and said, me too, man, me too. And you got somebody that can come in and say, oh, man, let's, let's do it. I had a success story. I told somebody about Jesus. 
Jesus. They, they changed, their, their lives were changed through the message that I had. He didn't want to hear it, but I told him anyways. And we come and we can encourage one another. And there's different parts of us that can just encourage each other. That we can, like, we can tell other people about Jesus. That's what's so good about the church. Is that we're here for one another. That's one thing that I learned through Fathom Church. Is that, man, this is such a good family. That, that, that is just so encouraging. That you guys are so uplifting. Um, but how do people know? How do people know about Jesus unless we're out telling them what they need to hear? Like there's two different ways that a church can grow. You can either have people go, coming from another church or you can have people changing, the, like giving their lives to Christ. One of those is not real church growth. It's just somebody coming to a different church. The other one is true church growth, people seeing their lives change, giving their lives to Jesus and coming into this place. You guys want a church growth strategy? Tell people about Jesus and the way that he has wrecked your lives and the way that he has transformed your lives. And I'm, so, I'm right there with you. Like, I'm so scared, but I'm so glad that I have a body of believers that are there to lift me up and encourage me to go out. Like, that's what we're here for, for each other, to be able to lift each other, lift each other up and to tell other people about Jesus, the way that he's transformed our lives. What's, what's life worth? Like, what is your life going to be worth at the end? How are you going to measure that? I told you guys before, I was in the banking industry for five years, and I used to think climbing the corporate ladder was going to make my life worth something. I was building up my 401k. I was so excited, but it was not fulfilling. Like, I didn't find fulfillment there at all. And God is wrecking my life to see what my life is really worth. To reevaluate. We all have our different spheres of influence. Like we have our people that we can tell that like in our offices, in our workplace, you go out to eat. Hey man, I'm about to ha- have a meal. Like how can I pray for you? I think that might spark a conversation. Don't be scared. Don't be scared because jail and suffering don't lie ahead for you. Be bold and love people enough to where it brings you to tears that they haven't heard or they don't know who Jesus is. I heard this story. Um, I heard the story that a pastor, um, a pastor told. He had a member in his church that um, that had a company over, like some. He like built businesses all around the world, and he had a couple of companies in a, in a very dangerous, like unchristian area, and um, the gospel wasn't really welcome there. And um, and so like it's a dangerous place. And he and his wife they're traveling in a car. And um, they're running out of gas. They don't want, they're scared. Like, they don't, like, it's that, that kind of area where they're scared. Like, they might, just because even the color of their skin, they might be persecuted. Um, but even more so, that they, that they are Christians. And so they pull up into this gas station. Um, it's very rural. Rural again. Trying to get that word. It's not going to work. Um, but it's, but it's a very rural aerial area. I'll just stop. <laughs> okay. All right. It's like a desert. All right. <laughs> um, but, like, there's, you can't call 911. Like, there's no, like, police to come and, and come rescue you if something happens. And so they pull up into this gas tank, or this gas station, and they see an elderly man. Um, it's really weathered. You can probably get a picture. Um, very, very weathered looking, just sitting there staring at him. Like, so he gets out of his car and is kind of, like, you know, avoiding eye contact. Like, just terrified. He's getting gas in his car because this guy won't take his eyes off of him. He's afraid something might happen. 
So here's how be quick. Gets into his car, and him and his wife, just him and his wife in the car, they start driving away. Um, and something tells him while he's driving, he said, I think I'm supposed to share Jesus with that guy that was staring at me. So I don't, so I think I'm supposed to share the gospel with that guy that's staring at me. He looks at his wife and said, what do you think? She said, I'd rather be a widow of a martyr than be married to a coward. Mm. Boldness in the faith like that in a place where I know that something terrible could happen. I'd rather be a widow of a martyr than married to a coward. And they didn't go back. I'm just kidding. That <laughs> would be awful, wouldn't it? No, this is what happened. He turns around and he goes back to the gas station. He goes back to the gas station. And he goes up to the man and said, um, I think I'm supposed to tell you about something. So he tells him about Jesus. And the guy tells him by the time he's done with his, his gospel presentation, um, he said, I had a dream last night that told me that I was supposed to come sit right here and wait for a man to come talk to me. He said, and I know it was you. Like, that's, God, give me boldness. Give me faith. Like that. Give me boldness and faith. Jail and suffering might lie ahead. But it might be worth it. Like, if you look through the rest of Acts, Paul is, tr- Paul is tried over and over and over because he's following the way. But now, if you want to, you can come on up. We add, we add music in the end of sermons to make it sound super spiritual. So. <laughs> it works real good. So. Um, but all throughout the rest of Paul's ministry, like, in the book of Acts, like, there's time after time, he's like, he's on trial, and what he does is he, he shares his story with every single person that's trying him. Like, he's standing there, he's got judges, and he's got a mob around him, and he shares his story. And, you know, the mo- one of the most effective ways to be able to share the gospel of Jesus is with your own personal testimony, Um, because you know that better than anybody else. And so basically what Paul did to give like an an outline, he said, this is where I was, this is who I was, this is what I did. God found me, he changed me, literally floored me, where I was blind and fell on the ground. Said, and this is who I've been ever since. I've been changed. Think about that in your own personal lives. Like, my, my testimony is a little different because I accepted Jesus when I was four years old. Nothing like childlike faith, right? But I believe that Jesus loved me and that he died for me, and that's all it took, right? And I told people about it. Um, so I didn't have, like, a past story, but I've been a work in progress ever since. So that's my testimony. I grew up in a Christian home, like, with parents, my dad was a worship pastor my entire life. My mom was a children's pastor for the past like 17 years or something like that. So I had the privilege of hearing about the good news of Jesus when I was young. 
went off to college, did some very shameful things, things that I'm embarrassed about, struggled with sin pretty much my entire adult life. But God is changing me one day at a time. And I know that I'm going in a different direction because of his wonderful grace that he pours out every single day. Your testimony might be different. You might have been addicted to something. Like, and God changed you, pointed you in a different direction. It's been a struggle, it's been a fight, but I guarantee you God's taking you in a different direction. He's turning your life around. You might not have a testimony yet. You haven't placed your faith in Jesus. Um, I want to tell you, it's good news. It is good news that there is hope for you, that Jesus loves you so much that he would rather die than live without you. He came to this earth as a baby. He was good in, in heaven. He could have just let us all be, just, you know, have our cake and eat it too. He could have done that, but he came off of his throne and he came into this earth as a baby, experienced life, experienced temptation, defeated temptation. Then he was tried, he was beaten, a criminal's death on the cross. He died. He died and he was buried in a tomb. And three days later, he rose again. And he came with the chains of sin and with hell and he said, I've defeated death for you. I've defeated sin for you. That's good news. That's good news to me. You can get into all the politics about Christianity, this religion, that religion, whatever. Jesus died for me. I don't know anybody else that's done that without knowing me. Well, actually knowing me and knowing how terrible of a person I can really be. But he loved me despite that. I'm going to take you in a different direction, Caleb. I'm going to hold you. So what about you? Going forward from this day out, like, how are we going to measure what our life is worth? Our success, our social status. Our relationships that we might be in, like that's how we measure it. How many people we know, how many friends we have. How moral of a person you might be. Like, ah oh, man, I'm a good guy, I'm a good guy. Like, how much money you saved. How are you going to measure your life's worth? I pray that all of us, all of us, not just Fathom Church, so cool being in another church because I realized that they're Christians. Not that I realized. I didn't just come to this realization. But it's good seeing that, like, Sunday morning, there are people here worshiping Jesus, and there's people in Atlanta that I'm praying for that are worshiping Jesus at the same time. Like, like could you imagine if we all, like, if we all measured our life's worth on the work that God has assigned us? The work of telling others about the good news, the wonderful grace of Jesus. How are you going to measure your life? This year, 2014, what if we just focused on maybe not the rest of our life? Maybe that's a little too overwhelming. I'm a short-term goal person. Long-term goals freak me out. Just this year, 
If we measure 2014, get to 2015, we look back and say, this is how I measured my life. I told people about Jesus. I followed what he wanted me to do. I did it humbly but boldly, with tears in my eyes, because I love people so much that they need to hear the good news and the wonderful grace of Jesus. Don't shrink back. Don't be afraid. It'll be worth it. A lot more than that dessert that you ate. It'll be so much more worth it. And I'll be praying for you guys. Like, like if y'all pray for me too, because this is a struggle, like I said before. But could you imagine, could you imagine, like, a body of believers, like Fathom Church, started this trend of people that were like, I'm measuring my, my life on something completely different than what, what the world measures their life on. My life's worth is not in the social status. It's not in my money. My life's worth is in the work that was assigned to me by Jesus to share the good news about the wonderful grace of Jesus. Like, could you imagine the impact if every person in this room went out and they told somebody about that? Could you imagine if the church started rising up? We're not, we're not judging people. We're loving them enough, enough to let them know what they need to hear because we needed to hear it. Like, we, could you imagine the impact you can make on Jacksonville? This, this church, like the walls could explode because you're telling people about Jesus. It's not about numbers per se, but I think Jesus is interested in numbers because each number represents a life that has been transformed by the good news. We can't value our lives so little. Don't sell yourself short. So what's it worth? What's this life worth to you? Let me pray for us real quick. Jesus, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you tell it how it is. God, give us the strength and the boldness to not shrink back, to tell people what they need to hear. God, do that in my life personally. God, give me the courage. I'm so scared. God, I'm so scared. So many times, maybe somebody's not going to like me, but I want to be able to look back and say that my life was worth it. Jesus, I thank you for every person that's in this room. God, they're struggling with different things. There are different points in their spiritual walk. There are different parts of their life. But help that not, not be an excuse for us to shrink back. God, we're ashamed of our sin, so we're afraid people are going to judge us. God, but we're just a testimony of how much we need it, of how much we need your grace, because we fall each and every single day. Give us the boldness. Give us the courage. Give us the wisdom to know, to look for opportunities to share your good news. I love you so much, Jesus. I thank you for the way that you're changing me. 
the way that you're changing my marriage, my life, the way I look at life. I thank you for it. I praise you in your holy precious name I pray. Amen.